Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and today I'm here with the other co-host, Brendan McCullough. Back to just you and me again. Oh shit. <laughs> wow, at least you're sounding just as enthusiastic about it as the listeners are. No, that's just what I mean. defeated and just like, ah, it's fucking us, who cares? Nah, it's, yeah, the core duo. I mean, I don't know, it's this more than often than not. I feel like you're the co-host that's been on the most episodes alongside me. I haven't missed one yet, luckily. I mean, that is without question. I'm on, like, seven-eighths of them, so, yes. yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's less of, like, we're more dedicated to it, so we're just like, ah, we got the most free time. <laughs> we're That's not true. doing much. <laughs> Everyone That's very true. busy. Uh, I'm trying to do cool things in my free time, but we'll maybe delve into that a little bit. But I also just feel like when it's just you and me, I feel like, oh, are we doing a best of? This feels really weird. <laughs> oh, God. That's... Uh... So it's surprising how much work goes into those best. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Just think it's about it. Uh, it doesn't. It shouldn't happen. But it's kind of fun <laughs> to reflect on. But okay, this is a video game podcast for anyone just tuning in. Uh, yeah, we're gonna kind of go around the table with what we've been playing. Maybe delve into some news. Maybe play a conversation game. But um, I don't even have that much to talk about game related. I just a couple things that come to mind. I mentioned on the last episode I won a Doughboys double contest where, like, if you guess the time they were recording, uh, you get a book fr- by Jason Schreier of Kotaku. And that book finally showed up, and I started reading it. It's really a unique perspective of just, like, he interviewed hundreds of game developers across the United States, uh, and maybe even globally. I'm not sure. I didn't get that far into it. But, uh, and got their perspectives of, like what it's like building a game from start to finish and why there's so many delays and how it's a miracle that any game gets made honestly and it's it's really cool so far i'm thoroughly enjoying that and thank you doughboys for letting me like participate in a contest and actually winning and it was funny my guess was 420 to guess what time they were recording at and i was like just on a whim and it happened to you right i'm i'm disappointed by that cuz i feel like they had to have known people were going to guess that even as a joke yeah, and I was like, the first one though, so huzzah! Yeah, it's just like, it's like, what number am I thinking of? It's like sixty nine, huh? It's like shit, you're <laughs> right. It's like really, dude? It's like, like come nice. on, like, there's so many other numbers. There's an infinite amount of other numbers. Yeah, that's absolutely accurate. But I don't know. And that that book though, I want to shout it out. It's uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels by Jason Schreier. Go read this book. I'm really thoroughly enjoying it. So that's video game related. Something I'm doing, and I had my car in for an oil change recently and so i took the nintendo switch and that felt so good having to like wait for an hour in this dealership and have a freaking console in the palm of my hands so i was getting back into breath of the wild and oh my gosh this game at one point it literally caught me so off guard i'm like climbing well first of all i'm using my uh like parachute to like glide across like a really big ravine because i'm i don't know i'm diving back into this game after taking so much time off i'm like almost having to relearn it and it's really frustrating because it's such an expansive game and there's so much going on and different controls and menus to find and like this one quest that i have currently up on my radar is like i think you have to like go to these different animals i i, I forget exactly but i'm going uh, to like find beast yes exactly um trying to find their shrines and i just got to this one shrine but before getting there i was climbing this mountain and it was raining out and i didn't know this was a mechanic at all it ca- caught me completely off guard but i looked down and all of a sudden like Link is like blinking yellow. I'm like, oh, what's happening? And and then he gets struck by lightning. I was like, holy fucking shit! And it killed him. I was <laughs> yeah. literally, and I was like, I hadn't saved in a while. And I was like, I literally went to Slack and immediately was like, what the fuck? Like, Link just got <laughs> struck by lightning. I was like, I can't believe that game just like literally killed me with lightning. And it was such like, I just I was awestruck in that moment, being like, that was the last thing I expected to happen. And I guess Brent did point out that it does warn you with that little like spark flash. But like, mm-hmm. and and the reason it happens is when you're at a high altitude in a rainstorm and there's fucking lightning happening and you have something metal equipped, I guess that increases your odds. So I think it is so like partially rare for that to occur. But I'm sure if you uh, uh, not really like you don't even need to be at high altitude if you have metal at all, like either a weapon or armor. And oh, it's a lightning storm. You're gonna get hit. Like, oh, damn! Just, I had no idea. It's just that simple. That's why, like, as soon as it starts raining, if you watch like a playthrough of it, people will just take off everything. And I know somewhere in the jungle region, uh, I know a ton about this game. I have never played. Um, 
somewhere in the jungle region, there's a shrine that's encased in, like, rock. And the way to open it is to, like, get the lightning attracted to you and then throw your sword at the last second and the lightning will strike the sword on top of the shrine and open it up. Oh, shit. I think I vaguely recall you mentioning that or somebody, and that's really in-depth. And, God, I'm going to have to look up a playthrough on how to pull that off. Yeah, I think some of the more impressive stuff with Breath of the Wild is the physics and, like, the, you know, environment and weather they implement in the game and how you have to use it to your advantage. Like, in the yeah. cold regions... Uh, you have to either drink hot drinks or eat spicy food to keep your body temperature up or wear warm cl- uh, clothing and armor. Or, if you want to cheat the system a bit, you can just get, like, a fire sword or a fire weapon and have that equipped. So as long as it's yeah. equipped, you can stay warm. And there was even, I think I read it on a tooltip on a loading screen. It's like, oh, certain ingredients for, like, cooking and stuff. Like, if you get submerged in ice-cold water, it'll, like, make your ingredient, like, a frozen version of that ingredient and, like, either increase or decrease, like, its value or, like, this. Or if you go for a swim in ice-cold water, like, certain ingredients will taste better or be more effective. Something along those lines. And I'm like, wow, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, it's, like, a pretty nifty crafting system without being obnoxiously crafting. Like, it's a cooking system, it's not a crafting system. Yeah. So it works out better. Because, I don't know, at least me personally, I'm sick to, like, sick to death of crafting systems. Yeah. Those are done way too much. Agreed. Um, But, yeah, Breath of the Wild, coming back to it, it's such a beautiful game, and I have so much yet to explore. I remember when it was first, like, pitched, people being like, oh, it's so much bigger than Skyrim, and I was like, eh, I'll see it, I'll believe it when I see it, and here I am, I have a shitload left to explore, and I feel like that's already what I have explored is a large area of, like, land, and, like, uh, it's so many characters, it's a very, like, believable world, it's just full of life and I'm excited to be back in it, but I do want to just start getting some main quest stuff done and kind of get back in the hang of, like, combat and not suck as much, because, god, you die, like, all the time in this game if you suck, like I do. Oh yeah, it's definitely, like, a a learned combat uh, mechanics that, like, they throw you in hard if, you know, if you're not down to practice. The certain enemies can just one-shot you straight out. Yeah. So, it's brutal. Yep. And that's basically it for me. I have other things maybe I'll bring up, but I'm not exactly sure. It's like outside of uh, the podcast stuff. Mm-hmm. But how about you? Uh, I played, talked about it a few times, a few episodes back, like the last two, uh, Stories, The Path of Destiny. Yeah. Um, it's a game I got for free. The better, the other game that developers making it was released, I think, last week. We talked about it with uh, Matt. Um yeah, I think it's like Omen site or something like that. It, it didn't look that great. I honestly didn't care. Um, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, I like Path of Destiny. I like, or yeah, stories, Path of Destiny. Um, I like that. The downside of it is, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like very anthropomorphic. Everyone's an animal. He plays this fox guy. You get a book, and it's the that shows you the paths of destiny, and you just go through it's an isometric sort of like uh, altered camera angle um top down action fighter uh the controls are a bit janky like i know it says recommended with a controller but i feel like that shouldn't ignore the mouse and keyboard like those should still work pretty well and uh you move by clicking around like kind of like a rts so it just didn't feel really great a lot of the time yeah, and I could definitely see it work better with the joystick and stuff, but I feel like if it's on PC, it should at least be like functional for a mouse and keyboard. Definitely. So, I was able to do it, but it was just kind of annoying at times, especially when you got to be precise with certain switches or platforms that move around and, you know, combat especially. But the essential premise of the game is you play through it, and it's like a telltale game where there's a bunch of multiple choices that will affect later in the story. And the a uh, bit about Paths of Destiny is you're gonna die. You like you die <laughs> guaranteed like I'm gonna say like seventy percent of the choices. And then you go back to the beginning and you redo it, but now with that knowledge uh of what you experienced already. So you have to go okay. through all these different paths of your destiny and which one and you have to do it at least four times, I think is the minimum amount. And then that is potential to unlock the real ending. But for there's like it's broken down into four groups of the different sections you have to unlock and there's i think five choices in the one like five endings in the one six in two of them and then seven in the last ending or you know category 
Okay. Um, so there's a total of uh, six times so twenty four different like endings. Like I said, a lot of them you just die. <laughs> the cool thing is like you get to see all of it and explore different and find out different characters and all that stuff. Like it's cool to explore. It. The downside of it is you really have to slaw through like the entire game. And there's some parts you can skip. There's a lot of parts you can't. Um, and it's just the whole the basic premise is the game is repetitive. And I love roguelites, so I'm completely fine with that. The problem is like there's just uh, after I played through four times, I basically unlocked all of my weapons, like all the gear I could get, the different swords, all of the gems I could use to upgrade, and I wasn't really leveling up as much, and there really wasn't a reason to level up because the enemies weren't getting any harder. Right. So after like four playthroughs, which is like enough to unlock the true ending, nothing really changes. There's no added bonuses or differences between the first four. So it's just like you're playing like, uh, say like 30 minutes of a section just to get the last like three minutes of dialogue and story. And you're doing that four times over the course of one run. Oh, geez. So it gets just super repetitive and like drawn out and just real tedious real quick just for these small bits at the end of actual like story development. Like granted, there's some dialogue and stuff thrown in during the levels, but like the real chunk of the difference of that path is at the end of that chapter. And it's just, I knew that going into it, but I probably played like, got like six endings or so. And I was just like, fuck it, give me the true ending, I'm done. Like, I, I, I don't want to put more time into this game. I really like the game, I really like the idea, and I like the characters and the writing and stuff. Like, a lot of it's good. It's just like, it's so repetitive, and just nothing changes between so much, so many parts of it, that it just got real annoying, and I didn't care enough to get the other, you know, 20-some endings or whatever. Right. So, it it's one you would really want to see, like, a Let's Play of, and, like, just the YouTube compilation of, like, here's all the different uh, endings for this chapter and this chapter, instead of playing through all yeah, of it. Yeah, save you hours of your life. Yeah. Um, as far as the jankiness goes, like, do you, would you prefer to play the game with a controller if you had one, or are you just, like, a, like racist against controllers? <laughs> no, I have one, and I, I use it uh, mostly for fighting games, because it just it works so much better. Um and it's it's for me it's that point of is it more work to put in the controller than it's worth? And for a game like this, it's kind of like the Batman Arkham combat system, where it's like you can just beat everybody just by countering at the right time or against the right enemy. So yeah. like it's very easy to get like after each encounter you get a little score and it adds up to your experience. And if you get a perfect without being hit, you get a bonus. And it's very easy to get perfects because you just counter anytime someone goes to hit you and just beat the shit out of them. So right. it's it's the combat's not hard, but like the movement was just annoying, but not enough for me to plug in my controller, boot up the emulator to read the controller, and then restart the game with new controls. Yeah, so. I thought it was more or less like a way of you inventing it, making it purposefully more hard. Like I feel like you played that game, uh, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons on oh. keyboard and mouse, and I was like, yeah. I feel like why would you do that? <laughs> That one didn't. That one was bad, but there was one part where you have to lift your brother up in the elevator, and that could not be done with a mouse. And oh, you! I it remember that's why bug. Yeah, it stuck out in my mind. That's correct, but yeah. So yeah. that's what I mean. I, I was just teasing, though. Apparently, you do have a controller and use it when necessary. Yeah, I do. It's just I think the emulator I have to like register the controller isn't great, or I'm not using it right, or I don't know. So it's not as easy. It's just it's a PlayStation Three, so. It's yeah. not as easy as just plugging in an Xbox controller and uh, Microsoft can register it because it's the same company. Um, so for me, it's the hurdle of like, is this worth the trouble of actually plugging in the controller? Because I've done that with, I think, like Metal Gear 5. I think I played that with the controller. Nice. So there's plenty of games where I'll do that for. This one was just like short enough and free that I didn't really care enough to like put in the time and effort for it. And like I knew which endings to get to get the true ending so like i was kind of in the back of my mind i'm like eh, whenever i get tired of this i can just breeze through to the real ending at any moment so totally. and that's what i ended up doing because it just i probably got like 10 hours or so into it but it was just like all right it's just so repetitive like i'm done you know and i got 500 hours in isaac but that had enough versatility in it that i was willing to keep playing gotcha um still a good game i still recommend it i think it's pretty cheap 
Um, so I'd recommend checking it out, but don't expect to be a completionist and get all 24 endings. I think I got like 90% of the achievements without even trying. So nice. the other ones are just unlocking every ending, which I'm just not doing. I know. I feel like uh, it's like Kingdom Hearts, the super grind for those final trophies. And I'm like, just God damn it. But that's I mean, like you and Mark actually want achievements. I don't give a shit about them. I, I just know. happen to get that many while playing. I, I'm almost giving up at this point. Like I haven't touched the uh, chain of memories in a solid month or two, but I, I need to maybe get back to grinding. I don't know why I'd put myself through it though. I can understand achievements for like certain games, especially like platformers or fighters or something. But like Kingdom Hearts is just like so much shit in it already. Yeah, it's so just, much side stuff. Yeah, like, it's, it's just one of those uh, sentimental games to me where I'm like, ah, oh, but like, I love it so much that I'll go to that length to do that. just to kind of also prove to myself like that I can. And it's, but it's also like, of course I know I can, but like, do I waste that much of my life doing it? And if you do it that much, like for a game you love, will you end up, you hate it. Yes. It. And I'm already like on the feds. It's so yeah. fucked. Oh, so then God why force it. yourself to do it? There's no, you're I know. like that guy who got a billion achievements and wants some, reward. I know I'm, no one I'm, told I'm, you to do that. Very problematic. It's a bad relationship. I've been told this before, and I don't understand. I feel like they tricked me into being in this position. Fuck! If there was some, like... I know Steam, like, if you... Most games, if you play for a few hours, you get cards, which you can either turn to gems and do whatever with, or you could sell them back on the store for, like, a few bucks... Like, few, a few cents. No, excuse me, not bucks. Uh, <laughs> but a few, like, pennies, like, five cents or so. Um, I can understand that incentive if that was tied to achievements. But if it's just pride as like a gamer, like when Xbox had like the gamer score, it's like man, I don't give a shit about that. Right, I beat the game. I've got the story. I played the. I inc- experienced the combat and stuff. Like I got what I wanted out of it. Yeah, I felt like there was a news story recently, but I can't remember exactly, so I don't want to reference it too much. But it was something about like PlayStation, like actually acknowledging people getting achievements and like rewarding them for it. I forget exactly, but uh, see, I think doesn't... that's a danger. That's a slippery slope. They're just gonna further enable people to do that so when they do something crazy like that guy who got a thousand four thousand yeah yeah they're gonna demand like oh i should get a car with like playstation on it it's like no <laughs> no you shouldn't uh, i want the playstation car i mean i'll take one if they're giving them out but yeah. i'm not gonna demand one like it's my right i've earned it it's like you've earned shit you wasted yeah. your time that's your own fault agreed so uh besides that though i got back into hand defeat too because there was an update, uh, a few updates actually, and I really liked that game. I still really enjoyed that game, but I think I just kept getting getting fucked left and right by RNG, and I got real salty from it, so I had to <laughs> step away and take a break from it. Yeah. Because um, a lot of that is, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, if you don't remember, Hand of Fate is kind of an... Uh, God, it's so hard to describe because <laughs> it's, it's so unique. Like, I don't know any other game that does it like this. Um, you got different... Oh, man, it's real tough to explain. Um, you're essentially playing through different random scenarios that are laid out. So you can, you know, play through them over and over and over again. Like, it's the same one. Um, but before you go on your small adventure, you have to build a deck of cards with your uh, encounters, your equipment, your companion, and your supplies. And all of those can be changed out. You can control which ones go in there. And then that deck gets shuffled and thrown into that adventure, and then you'll encounter those cards as you play different squares and stuff. Yeah, and looks really cool. All of the events and all of the decisions, or there's actual combat, like running around, hitting, and it's the same Arkham sort of combat system of just counter and you're good. Like there's, It's very easy to never get hit if you just counter at the right time. But then so many of the other choices, like, you know, you find a goblin trapped in a cave and he has treasure, do you rescue him? Uh, that's ba- that's determined on a dice roll, uh, pendulum swinging. You have to stop the pendulum at the right time. Uh, a roulette sort of wheel. All these different like bar games variables. Yeah, and you get different items and equipment and skills that can help you in those. Like one ring adds plus two to any dice roll. Uh, one companion allows you to re-roll dice. One companion allows you to slow down the spinning wheel of cards. So you get different things that can help you out with those. But by and large, a lot of it's just RNG, and a lot of it's just you getting screwed over. Like, it's very common to play an encounter, and you have to replay it, like, multiple times uh, to get the gold, like, to perfect it and get the right scenario. Because it's just real brutal. Uh, but it's it's extremely fun. It's, like, 
30 bucks, maybe less than that. It's, I can't recommend it enough. It's very unique. It's very interesting. Uh, it's the second one, but you don't need to know anything about the first one. Like, I don't know anything of the first game. Nice. Um, but it's really good. And, yeah, the biggest downside is with RNG, you might get real salty like I did and have to just step away. Because it's kind of like Talisman, where when you get uh, screwed over once, you get screwed over again and again and again. Like, all right in a row. You it's literally cool. read my mind. I was waiting for my turn to talk and be like, are you ready to step back to Talisman in the meantime? No, but- <laughs> absolutely not. No, I'm oh, never man. playing that game again. I- oh, God. I I played it semi-recently, and yeah, there was a hell of an update that went through. Like, you can have so many different characters and, like, or players, I guess, on the game. And I, I don't know. There's all There are new characters, new cards. I think the final uh expansion pack in the bottom right board was even available but i didn't i don't own it yet but that's the thing that game is rng bullshit i do love it to death but i don't know this looks way more interesting and as like a fan of talisman i'm like fuck i I really got to give this a chance this one i can't recommend it enough 30 bucks that's nothing for like a what a quality kind of game you're gonna get but i can already tell yeah you're warning me i'm gonna get pissed well it's like 30 bucks but it's also like i think there's like four editions like, they're not, like, full expansions like The Witcher, where it's a ton of shit. Yeah. But it's, like, four add-ons that are, like, more cards and stuff, and they were all free. So it's just, they add more content and just will give it to you. That's sweet. Yeah, see, yeah. Goblin's free update was mm-hmm. recent. Nice. That's the most recent one. Um, and, yeah, you're going to get angry, but, like, like I said, some of them are the bar games where it's skill. So I've actually gotten pretty good at, like, the pendulum swinging or... Uh, following the rotating cards like spinning wheel and knowing when to stop it to get the card i want um Mm -hmm. so those actually have a degree of skill in it and then there's one where it's just cards shuffling and you just have to pick which card and i feel like there's supposed to be a system to that but for the life of me i can't figure it out so that's just rng okay um and the combat's all skill like you can definitely like you'll fight, like, this Black Knight who's supposed to be this unkillable demon. Like, you're supposed to just survive for a minute against him and you'll get your reward. But I can kill him with basic equipment just because you know how to fight and how to dodge and counter so easily. So I I can't recommend the game enough, but there is a fair bit of RNG where you're going to just get pummeled a bit. Gotcha. But it's, I would say it's, on a scale, it's the least uh, abusive of RNG, Above it would be like XCOM, where there's <laughs> hidden factors they don't tell you about, and they can screw you over with that. And then at the top of it is Talisman, where it's just straight up bullshit. Yeah, no, like, it they fucks know you it's so hard. Not, it's literally, it's you roll RG. a one, and it's like, I would literally bet my life that the next roll will be another one. And, and it, it is. always is. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Those like, fuckers. Talisman's the epitome of bullshit RNG, where it's not <laughs> happening. And a Fate 2 is at least like fair. Like, even though I'll get salty and be like, I, I gotta take a break. But, like, I come back. Because it's, it's a really good game. It's really good. Yeah, it um, seems really nice. Yeah. Good uh, recommendation. And then I was playing that a bit to bide my time until Moonlighter came out. Because I had my eye on this game for a bit. And it's one of the very few, very few successful Kickstarter stories about video games. Um, this was Kickstarter a while back and finished... And came out, and it's a fully developed game. It's not just some half-assed early access game. But it is, I think I talked about it before, it's a roguelike dungeon crawler, like Binding of Isaac and stuff like that, entered a dungeon. Uh, I'm a sucker for these genres. <laughs> but you collect all these items, and then when you leave the dungeon, you go back to your store in the day and sell all those items. Oh, so that's right. Yeah, so it's a very pixel, very polished pixel game like it's beautiful looking but it's like race a tier and item shop tale which is a game i loved way back in the day and uh played a bu- back in the day it was like two years ago um <laughs> but it's basically the same premise as that you run a shop during the day at night you can go to the dungeon at night as well but or go to the dungeon during the day as well but at night they're harder and you have a better chance of getting better equipment um so yeah run the shop during the day at night go to the dungeon come back sell all your stuff uh, with enough money, you bring in different uh, merchants to the town and kind of revitalize the town. It's really fun. Like, I'm really enjoying it, but it's also right up my alley, so I don't know. I'm a bit biased. I don't know how fun it is for other people who aren't suckers for roguelikes. Um, yeah, the art style's enticing. I think it's very cute and fun. Mm-hmm. It's 
pretty brutal though, in the sense that um, it's well, first off, the developers Digital Sun, they have their logo in the beginning, but it like I guess it's supposed to like glitch out and kind of freeze in the beginning, so you see it moving and then stop. And it clips to like the end of the logo animation, and it always terrifies me because I think my computer's crashing. <laughs> so I hate that about it. Um, but yeah, it's very uh, o- uh, old school Zelda esque, like where you're going into different um, dungeons, like uh, uh, Dark Cloud. Else. No, well, I mean, but it's like top down. Oh well, yeah. Um, I, I, so I'm I just trying to think of the old school dungeons. Zeldas. Yeah. I'm oh, but no, I, that's names. a better. Uh, also, I'm trying to think what. This reminds me of hmm. Legends of the Seasons, Oracle of Seasons. God, I forget like all the old Zelda titles. I played them so long ago, um, but it's very similar into that fashion. Very, it was very similar to Binding of Isaac. Um, and you get different items or different weapons. You upgrade them. You can get a giant sword. You can get a spear. You can get a bow and arrow. You can get claws or sword shield. Um, yeah, it looks like Titanfall in a way, but obviously, like I don't know, even more detailed. Yeah, I really like the style of it, and I they really put a good amount of attention and work into the like kind of cinematic uh, sequences. Even though it's pixels, it's still yeah very polished. Um, and if you're in a dungeon for too long, this big slime monster comes out and it just eats all the items in the room, and then comes after you, and he's invincible. So it's the way of you know pushing you to go further and not just sit around. Yeah, shit, that's a cool mechanic. Yeah, and there's a hot spring in each uh, dungeon floor, so that can heal you up to a certain amount. I think it heals you 100, um, so it's not completely unforgiving, but yeah, you have to dodge roll out of a lot of stuff, and once you get hit once, you get hit into a corner by the enemies and just kind of get beat on. So it can be pretty tough, even for experienced uh, dungeon crawlers. But, like, it's only 20 bucks, just came out, and I fucking love it. This is exactly the kind of game I want. Um, Definitely. Even with the store mechanics, um, you choose how much you set the items for to sell. Uh, it can either be too low and people will be super excited. And it's like, well, you know, you'll see different um, little facial animations above them when they're buying an item. And that tells you if it's like too cheap or if it's way too expensive or a little bit expensive. They wouldn't really, re- they wouldn't really be happy to pay it or just right. So there's like four categories. And then you gauge how much to sell for based on that. Um, if you flood the market with one item, people aren't going to want it anymore. So you can't just get like a certain like, you know, gem or something and just sell it every single day because eventually people will stop buying it. So there's like a few different mechanics involved that really make you think and plan out exactly what you're selling for how much and to who. Uh, last night I was playing and a guy tried to rob me. Like he just took an item and ran off and you have to chase him down and tackle him, beat the shit out of him. Uh, I think he got away with one one out of ten items. So, sucks he stole it, but, you know, it worked. And I went back in dungeon, killed a bunch of stuff, and got it anyway. Nice. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's real good. It's, uh, I don't know, I just can't recommend enough. This is exactly the kind of game I want, and I want to play it as soon as we stop recording. <laughs> I feel that. I don't know. It's also making me feel like I want to revisit Dark Cloud, but I have too many games to play. <laughs> oh, and I will say the controls... Uh, it also recommends playing with a controller, and I'm sure it's probably better on a controller, because uh, it does WASD, but then it kind of does reverse WASD for the uh, interaction co- uh, buttons, so it's I-J-K-L. What? Um, okay. Yeah, so it's not ideal, but you can get used to it pretty quick. I know some people really hated it, and you can rebind them. So J is your primary attack as well as your, like, interact button with everyone, like talking to people, accepting quests, you know, continuing dialogue. You can rebind it as your primary attack, but you can't rebind it as your interact button. Okay. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. So even if you, like, I changed to my number pad for a bit just to get my hands more distance. Yeah. But uh, even then, I still had to go back to J to, you know, progress the game and dialogues and stuff. So that's oh, been annoying. My keyboard layout on my new laptop is dumb, so like I wouldn't even be able to like use my uh, arrow keys comfortably because like imagine a square block per key uh, for right and left. The middle key for like what typically would be the down arrow is actually split into two keys up and Ew. down, but they're like smaller, so like it's very bizarre and not really and like created for gaming. So. so 
That's yeah, interesting. I highly recommend it. Uh, people are saying, like, yeah, that's kind of short. Like, some people are beating the whole game in 12 hours. Uh, it's 20 bucks, so that's probably fucking great amount of time for a $20 game. And also, it's a roguelike, so, you know, some people might be worse at it. Some people might, like, I just like the repetitive t- repetitiveness of it, uh, which is the exact opposite of what I didn't like in uh, stories. Um, but it's a great game to just have on while listening to a podcast or having, you know, movie playing on in the background or something. Like, there's a bit of story, but not enough where you have to pay attention to it fully. Right. So, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It's great. Awesome recommendations. Um, shit. Uh, one thing that's on the horizon in gaming is E3, but would you... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's would just you... a big ad. All the trailers are all cinematic and none of it's gameplay anymore, or very few of it is. Yeah, I found a funny meme on the internet that was just like a McDonald's burger, like basically one you would see in like a commercial. And it's like, this is the trailer at E3. And then like a fucking nasty ass, like piece of shit that you literally, if you go to McDonald's and order like a McDouble, like what they like step on in the back room and like spit all over and then hand to you, like it looks like absolute trash. And it's like, this is how the game actually plays after like all said and done. I'm like, wow, that's fairly accurate. Yeah, it's just advertising you like these games it's like wow that looks good it's like yes but, it's supposed okay. to look good it's easy for us to also on the outside looking in be upset over this thing but that's what this book blood sweat and pixels is all about like it explains how like you you're given millions of dollars or whatever and you have this vision for this game and then all of a sudden things start falling apart all around you, and you all the sacrifices that you have to make and it's like oh and by the way e3 is in like two weeks and you know like in order to be prepared for it like it's gonna take bare minimum four weeks and people are like spending like they're not even making their commute they spend the night at the office because any hour wasted uh commuting isn't an hour spent working on the game so like that kind of shit and dedication it shows how like it's kind of bizarre like i think the point of that book is also like leaning towards like why is it that now where we are in video game design that it's just as hard and just like a huge tremendous task to take on whereas you think in the history of gaming like we would have like focused in on our talents and like really made it an easier process to go from start to finish but like the it's such an interesting medium because it's like ever evolving and ever changing like the technology's ever changing there's all sorts of variables that make it like so unlike anything else and i think that's why i'm excited to finish that book and see what it's all about yeah the problem is yeah with the technology always changing so it's you can never be settled and stuff that's why a lot of indie games can change and play around with stuff so much is because they're usually pixel based which is like a time and tested uh strategy people still like pixels you can get them very well done now especially like in moonlighter they can be very beautiful compared to the old like 8-bit mario one of my other favorite games one shot that's fairly pixel based and they play around different mechanics of opening up different windows on your computer and like telling you stuff um so you can really play around with it because it's been around a while Whereas, like, those huge open-world 3D games that are just seem to be flooding the market, like Witcher, Horizon Zero Dawn, Assassin's Creed, like, all these other ones, yeah. like, they're kind of new. It's, you know, people are still playing around with it and don't aren't really comfortable or confident in it quite yet. I mean, they are now. Um, but, like, while they're in development, it's, you know, still rocky, so you can't... You have to do what you know works, and that's why there's so many fucking Assassin's Creed games and so many other, like, sequels and stuff. Yeah. So... That you, you know what works, and another big problem is corporations know there's money in video games now. It's one of the more most profitable, profitable forms of media. So yeah. they know there's money, so people are investing in it who don't give a shit about video games, but know that they can you know make a quick turnaround on this. Oh, for sure, and that was one of the uh, statistics that stood out to me in that book was that in 2016, 30.8 billion dollars was in the gaming industry alone. Yeah. So that's interesting. So there's a ton of stuff. And like E3 could be good. Like it was good at one point, but now it's all cinematic stuff. And there's teasers and then there's teaser trailers and then there's teasers for trailers. It's like, that's just an ad for another ad. Oh no. Fuck that. Speaking of which, this is the worst culprit of this Ubisoft, our favorite, um, uh, responsible for Assassin's Creed. They, their, their teaser trailer was laughably the worst of all time. Like, it was literally five seconds, 
It was a dude, it was two guys, like, in, like, full, like, ancient Greece attire, so obviously they're hinting at, like, a G- ancient Greece uh, setting, and it was a guy kicking a guy off a cliff, so it was, like, almost, like, directly ripping off that movie, like, 300, it was very bizarre, oh, yeah. and, like, and it was just, like, and I think it was just a scene of a guy kicking him off a cliff, and then it said, see you at E3, and that was yeah. it, and I'm like, what the fuck, I'm like, that, that is the worst, I mean, sure, I guess they're, that's, they're trying to generate hype but i feel like i I literally only saw like one person react be like i'm excited for this everyone else is like jesus christ typical shit (laughs) i i don't know anyone who's still excited about assassin's creed games yeah because at this point like it was like going in a linear path of like progressing closer to modern day and it was unveiling the story and now we're going back to ancient greece like yeah i don't know what the fuck i mean i stepped out back in assassin's creed 3 that was the last one i played and last one i probably ever will i don't plan going back but yeah it's just it's just ads for stuff, and like, you know, seeing a cinematic trailer is cool. Like, there was a Last of Us two cinematic cinematic trailer way back, uh, like a year ago or so now. It's like, oh, cool, that's interesting. But if you, you know, if I boiled it down, I probably still didn't care because yeah. until I see gameplay, until I know exactly how it's going to handle and what it's going to look like in game, I don't trust it because like they're just lying to you now. Because you can have yeah. a gorgeous cinematic trailer with these amazing 3D rendered graphics that are almost re- lifelike. They got mocap on the actors and stuff playing the characters. Yeah, and you see Death the Stranding. Game. Death Stranding, yeah. It could be something beautiful like that. And you see actual gameplay when the game comes out, and it's 16-bit. It's like, what the, <laughs> what the fuck? It, like, it's just, you can't trust them because it just doesn't tell you anything. It's just supposed to get you excited for it. And yeah. a lot of times it works. But being excited about it can blind you, and that's what the hype machine is that killed No Man's Sky along with a bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, we happy few, all of it. We happy. Yeah. Granted, like, these are also games where, like, hey, maybe they're not making the right, you know, the best business decisions as a company. But there's also plenty of games that got overhyped, and, you know, not even games, movies and shows and comics and anything gets overhyped to the point where it can never live up to that expectation. Oh, so don't even, like, be Kingdom Hearts 3. You'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, Half Life 3. I'm pretty sure Valve has admitted they're never making it, especially because the writer released the story. Yeah. But it's hyped up to beyond belief that it can never be made because it will never live up to anyone's expectation now. So yeah. it's just like, I don't, that's why I don't watch trailers of movies anymore because I don't want any of that spoiled. If I'm interested, I'm going to see it. If I'm not, maybe it'll win me over. But same with like E3. Like, I, I kind of don't want to watch this stuff unless it's gameplay. That's why Nintendo's usually pretty good with stuff because they show actual gameplay a lot of the time. Right. So I don't know. I don't. I don't trust E3. I don't like it. It's just become San Diego, San Diego Comic Con, which is the big corporate horror place. Well, I'm thinking out. in a couple days here, I might try to get old host of the show AJ back on with <laughs> Matt, but it might all fall through. So knowing AJ, <laughs> but that's the thing. We'll see if we can have a E3 kind of like pre E3 rundown or E3 episode with those two. Yeah. Matt doesn't play games. I know that's the funny thing. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. It'll be pre E three, and then maybe we'll do like an actual like because that's the thing. It'll air before E three happens. Yeah, uh, we got a. We can talk about it more in depth later, but we got a little shot of like Pokemon. Let's go for the Switch, and immediately uh, Basil was just so salty, like. How are they doing? Wait. Fuck this! They're not doing. It. And it's just like, oh my god! <laughs> I know. I I see both sides of, of this coin, though. Like, I see you being like, man, how could you be so salty about it? But also, I all, everything Bassa said, I was like, it was resonating with me because my gut reaction to this was like, oh, I just don't care. You guys had a chance to wow me, and you didn't at all. Um, but why? What, what, how about let's get your perspective on it from like a positive note, and then maybe I'll kind of agree with Basta on some of that shit. I mean, what was it? Uh, I'm forgetting the company's name that does uh, Pokemon Go because it's not the Pokemon company. It's not Nintendo. It's a third. It's you know it's a different company who bought the licensings and stuff. Um, they definitely fucked up. Like I'm not defending them at all. They keep fucking up and keep painting themselves in the corners with stuff. So I'm not thinking Pokemon Let's Go. I'm not thinking this is going to be the redeemer of Pokemon Go. It's going to be like, <laughs> oh, this is going to fix everything. It's not. If anything, it's probably going to be worse because it's going to be so more, so many more add-ons and additions to it that it's going to like overload the game and just crash it more. But I think it's cool because it's a 3D open world, like or not an open world, but a 3D Pokemon game which people love, like have been demanding for a long time. And it's not it's not open world exploration like people were hoping for, but it's more in line with like Pokemon Sun and Moon, which I still think is great and you know it's really a huge step up from all the other games. You get a run around, it's basically just a remake of Pokemon Yellow where you can run around in the original Kanto region. And have Pikachu following around behind you. But you can also have Eevee now. 
and you can dress them up so you can customize them better. Uh, you got rid of all the HM bullshit because now you can have Pokemon follow you around and just use their abilities to, you know, fly you around and, like, break through stuff. So you don't have to have Pokemon learning HMs that take out a slot forever, which is yeah. always annoying. Um, it looks really good. Like, just graphic-wise, it looks really good. Uh, it's for the Switch, which is mobile, uh, mobile. So, like you were saying, you were playing it in, uh, the mechanics. So, like, yep. that's great. You can just take Pokemon with you to go and play with that. The Pokemon you catch in Pokemon Go can be used in Pokemon Let's Go. So, it gives you a reason for actually using Pokemon Go and not just a collectathon. I, I yeah. think it's really neat. I don't think it's going to be the be all end of, like, Pokemon is the best. I'm going to buy a Switch just for this. Like, it's not that. But, like, I think it's a definitely a good direction they're going. I don't think it's bad, necessarily. All right. As opposed to the way Basso is just immediately shitting on it. No, that's a fair stance, and I see your point. And I did see a couple people be like, this is, like, now that I've seen this trailer, I will buy a Switch. So I think they're... That, they, they won some people over, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. They've accomplished their goal, for sure. But to me, it just... If I'm not mistaken, is this another scenario where, like, you're not battling to, like, collect Pokemon or, like... It's just very just... It just doesn't, something about it didn't seem right. And I, I don't know. In, in general, I don't foresee myself playing it. It's, I think, uh, uh, Bass's one point was like, they were so lazy that they literally use like the same kind of UI from Pokemon Go. Like, I think well, yeah, it's, it's, it's an add on to it. It's not like it's yeah. combining a remastering of Pokemon Yellow. So it's a full Pokemon game. It's not like some, you know, little app or something. It's a full Fair. Pokemon game. And it's being combined with Pokemon Go, so yeah, they're yeah. going to use a lot of the same properties and stuff and, and assets. Yeah, that yeah, that makes it's not perfect lazy. sense. It's it's incorporating. It's the same project essentially. Uh, yeah, I just personally wasn't a huge fan of Go or the aesthetic of it. So I feel like why would this like win me over in any way? And I I just personally don't foresee myself playing it. It has a chance yeah. of winning me over, but I I'd be curious to see like. That's what I think people are all like, oh, you start the game with Mew. I'm like, well, what's the fucking point? That's like starting a game in God mode. I mean, but like, it's also, it doesn't have to like win you over. Like I said, I'm not buying a Switch for this. I'll probably never play this in my life, but I still think it's a cool idea and I still think it's good yeah, for he, the fans. <laughs> Bass's reaction was throw it in the trash. And at that point in time, I agreed. But no, I, I don't think it should be thrown in the trash. I think people can enjoy it if that's their thing, but it's not for me or Basta, I don't think. I mean, that's fine, but it also doesn't necessarily mean it's bad if it's not for you. Right, so agreed. there was an announcement with the last, like, maybe not last, maybe the like last two, like, FIFA games, where there's, like, oh, there's a story mode in FIFA now where you play as one guy and work his way up through, like, the league and become, like, the MVP of FIFA or whatever. It's like, I don't, clearly, I don't give a shit about FIFA because I don't know what any of that stuff is. But, like, some people were really excited for that. I'm like, hey, cool, good for you. You guys now have a single-player mode for a sports game, which is very, very rare these days. Yeah. So it's not for me, but I still think it's good that people are getting it. Definitely. Another concern of Bass is that this actually makes his side a little more valid is the fact that, like, Pokemon Go, the mobile game itself, still has multiple bugs, and there was that whole, like, lawsuit thing where, like, they sold tickets to an event that didn't happen because, like, they crashed the cell, cell phone networks, um, but they're, like, still, like, despite those issues with Pokemon Go, they're developing something, like, an add-on for, like, another console. I, I understand his hesitation to be, like, totally on board if they haven't even figured out their phone game, and they're like, let's make the next greatest thing that incorporates that. Like, it could be buggy and a giant mess well yeah i uh, like i said i'm not defending uh Nikon. that's it uh, yeah that's who, correct who did the harry potter game so you can uh add another that to one we forgot about because yeah I, that's what i mean pokemon go and that got a lot of buzz but then people were just out like almost immediate well fuck the harry potter game they're just out for money and just like holding a gun to your head well i mean yeah that's why you get any franchise thing because it's guaranteed to make money uh, but no, people who played Pokemon Go for, like, months. People were really into it. Like, you were getting discounts at stores for it. Um, but yeah, it, you know, kind of fell apart because Nikon didn't plan out stuff right and kept, you know, adding on to the wrong parts of it and not stabilizing the game. I'm not defending them. I'm not saying this is a good move for them. I'm saying that it's, they're a pretty shitty company and they're not doing great, especially because they have almost no PR. And when you have no one out there fixing claims or correcting people against claims, people assume the worst. So their reputation just got worse and worse and worse as time went on. But uh, with uh, this, this is like a Nintendo game. This isn't Nikon. This is Nintendo tying in with Nikon. Okay. So the, the funding and you know structure behind it is Nintendo. So it's not enti- it's not like an entire game built by Nikon. That would be bad. Right. But this is 
this is Nintendo saying like, here's a 3D op- like eh, open-ish world remastering of Pokemon Yellow, a classic game people love and know all the 150 characters of. We're going to incorporate the super popular mobile game that we already have. It's not the sole reason they're making it, but they're adding on to it to increase the already big populace of that. And most people played Pokemon Go, so they're just going to get people back into that who stopped playing it like I did. Yeah, so and it is going to be like an online experience, obviously. So Yeah, and there's local player co-op, which you can do with one Joy-Con. So you can have the two Joy-Cons on the Switch carried around with you, take it off, and then have local co-op so you can have two people playing at once. Like, that's huge. That's, you know, something that they never did in a Pokemon game before. That's true. That is completely innovative in their their spectrum. Um, One downside that I saw, like, in the advertisement or trailer or whatever it was, was, like, they have some kind of goofy-ass Pokeball peripheral. I'm like, well, it makes sense because of Pokemon Go was the same way. But, I mean, Nintendo's always been super big on accessories and plastic shit you don't need. There was the Link's crossbow training on the Switch where you got this big plastic, like, you know, sort of rifle thing. You put the Wii remote in. No one needed that. You could just hold it up. But people bought it. You got the plastic Wii, uh, steering wheel for the Mario Kart game. This isn't anything new. Nintendo's always done this shit. So, I mean, if you guys are, you know, if Bassa specifically is, like, upset about this, like, it's they've always done this. Like, you're just not the target audience anymore. So you're just not, you know, you're just not seeing it with the rose-tinted glasses of nostalgia. Yeah, fair enough. So, I mean, I still think it's good. I'm not going to play it, but, like, I still think it's a good move. And, you know, imagine being a kid and this is your first Pokemon game. True. Imagine this is where you start. Like, you fucking mind be blown. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, I understand that perspective, too. Um, One thing that's... Oh, oh, let's go ahead. I was going to say, real quick, we're still on Pokemon. Um... I don't know if this is tied in with that or if it just happened at the same time of the trailer release, but apparently there was a leak and like a legitimate leak. Oh, um, your favorite. Yeah. uh, But of like unused evolutions and like preform evolutions of Pokemon from Pokemon uh, gold and silver called like space world or something. So I guess they were going to go into space maybe, or there's a whole different region that was just cut out of gold and silver. What? But it was released online. I put it in their Slack, and it's been floating around. People are like already doing fan art of these Pokemon that don't exist. But there are uh, some that are pre-evolved forms. So, like, Chikorita evolved into, I forget the name, and like a middle form, and then the, its final form. The middle form is different, but the final form is the same. Um, Quillfish, which is like the pufferfish Pokemon, who had no forms, it was just that, had a, a supposed evolved form that they cut out. Uh, Pikachu, Clefairy, Jigglypuff, like a bunch of other Pokemon, had pre-evolved forms that weren't the ones that we know them as. Uh, and there's just so many other ones that are just so bizarre. Uh, Girafferig, which is like this weird giraffe Pokemon that had this crazy like ch- like chomp chomp tail from like Mario. Apparently that had an evolved form where the tail evolved into just a black version of Girafferig, but it's like mirrored. So like that was really that's a really weird one. And it's just really cool seeing all these unused assets they, I don't, for I don't know what reason they chose not to use, because some of them are really cool. And then they got, like, the legendary dogs, like, Suicune and Entei, what their original designs were, and those are really bad. So <laughs> I understand, I understand why they didn't use those. Uh, but some of them are pretty neat, and it's cool seeing, like, unused stuff that they, you know, either altered a bit, like Delibird, they gave him a shorter beard, and uh, they got rid of that Santa Claus hat, because that was too on the nose. Um, but it's really neat. So if you want to see like some unused Pokemon stuff, look up like Pokemon, you know, unused assets or Pokemon Space World, and you'll probably find them because they're flown around everywhere now. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, one thing that I don't understand the reaction to. Well, I sort of do because the gaming community is kind of toxic. Hopefully, you're not part of the problem, Kinda. listener. Um, but mm. that's the thing. Uh, Battlefield Five trailer has now garnered oh, yeah. more dislikes than likes on the YouTube channel. And in fact, I'm going to check it at time of recording because last time I checked, it was literally insane. Like it was like, I think like 300,000 or so uh, dislikes and like 200,000 likes. And currently, yes. Okay. It's 372,000 thumbs down and not even breaking 300 K it's 298,000 thumbs up. So more dislikes and likes and it just came out like what a fucking a week ago, and people are freaking the fuck out. out. Oh no, I'm talking about the trailer. I'm sorry. Oh, the uh, trailer time. Yeah, yeah. And by the time this airs, it's like more than a week. But regardless, yeah. uh, 
I guess the general reaction, like I watched the trailer, I thought, I'm like, yeah, it looks like Battlefield, like more wars and guns and killing people and like yeah, intense, same, like, same shit. yeah, it's fucking World War Two, maybe, I don't know, it's one of those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it looks really interesting, but, and that's one thing that didn't even really there. cross my mind, but I noticed it, but it didn't really phase me, was that, yeah, there's like female characters like running around, like shooting people and stuff, and like, to me, I don't know, didn't even cross my mind, like, I'm like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm on board, but then I see that I'm like, why is there so many thumbs down? What is the problem here? And it's the reaction is people are like, why are there women involved in a a war game? And I'm like, are you seriously taking that stance? Like, I I don't understand. I guess people that are like concerned about being historically accurate. I think there was probably women fighting back then. Anyway, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So there, there's a lot of documented evidence that women contributed to the war effort in World War Two. And I'm not just saying like Rosie the Riveter like building. Yes. Tanks and stuff. I'm saying, like, we're in the war. Fighting, yes. Frontline. So, a story of, I think it was a Russian shoulder, maybe like Swedish, someone like Northern European, like, woman who was a sniper and she was known as like the White Death because she got like 300 plus kills or something. She was a monster. Like, she was like a super nice lady and like, you know, was doing it all for, but like, she was insane with how good she was as a sniper. And that was World War II. Like, yeah, that's badass. Like, that's, that's super cool. And that's what I mean. So, I don't, have a, I feel like even the people that might even try to make that argument are wrong then it's just like I yeah, I don't are. understand the, the, why people are upset it really kind of gives me like uh, it's one of those where you lose faith in the community you're like come on guys like who the fuck cares like if anything I think like bear with me here the reason they did that is to be more inclusive because i know there's a lot of females who play video games and what? would probably no, not my games <laughs> that's what i mean and they probably would want to be represented in something like that which especially in a, a style of game like first person shooter where they really aren't like sure like overwatch has characters and like other stuff but like i guess more or less like a first person shooter that's war based i feel like that is yeah. very lacking so they're I feel like I don't know. I I kudos to them for even trying something new, and it, it's a shame that that's the the reaction, and that's the cause of the lashback from the the community. I'm kind of blown away from it. I don't understand. I really don't. I mean, I understand. It's because people are sexist. Yeah. That's why it. that? Oh, because uh, people are fucking idiots. Like yeah. that's always the case. It's anytime someone's is a different race in a show or something. It's like. You, do you remember the outrage people had when someone suggested Donald Glover as Spider-Man and you found out how many nerds were really either secretly or very openly Openly, racist? yeah, that's not yeah, cool. It's not an uncommon thing to find, especially gamers who are very niche. Like, nerds are traditionally downtrodden and beaten up and like, prose- or persecuted for, like, their hobbies and stuff, or at least that's, they always were. Now they're the fucking biggest. They're in every media. It's all, anything nerd-oriented is going to generate a shitload of money, so it's super popular right now. But because of that, people got very protective of their properties that they were invested in and shows and games and stories. And anytime there's any change or something that threatens that, they feel threatened as well and, you know, get outraged. That's why there's so much outrage about adding a woman to a game. That's all it is. I but know. Like you said, it's this huge controversy, but it's really not. It's because people are fucking idiots. And yeah. They're going to continue to be fucking idiots. And all you have to do is just press on and ignore them because they feed on attention. Well, so. it also just, it's like, uh, what am I looking to say? It's just like proof to a concept of like how toxic certain communities are. Like, it, oh, it especially kind of showcases the Battlefield community. I feel like those are the people that were interested in the game. I saw so many concept, uh, comments of people being like, I'm done with this franchise. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like, what the actual fuck? You probably really enjoyed it, and it's probably going to be a fun game, but whatever. Uh, You do you, I suppose. But, like, that's what I mean. I know for a fact, like, the Rocket League community, very, very toxic. So I can't think of a very good, like, analogy of them, like, putting in, Get a nice, sexy lady cop. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like Disney princesses or some shit, like, uh, expansion pack. Like, I, 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 I bet the community would react the same way. And that's really upsetting to hear. Like, I, to me, I'd be like, sure. I, I'm, I know girls are playing. Give them some cool ass cars. What the fuck do I care? Yo, give me some like Lilo and Stitch like DLC for Rocket League. I'll get back in. Some <laughs> That'd Emperor's be dope. New Groove. Fuck yeah, I'll get back in on that. Totally. But yeah, if your dedication to something that you love and you're passionate about is so weak that by adding anyone who's different than you to it will break that, you're just a racist and or sexist. Yeah. Like 
there's uh, no argument against that of like certain people like people were like oh like Black Panther was by far the worst Marvel movie it's like why there's plenty of other worst Marvel movies like without question but if the only reason is like I don't like Black Panther like just because I don't like it it's like mm, is it is it because it was the main black character was black and the majority of the cast is black you might have to reflect on some stuff because yeah. you might be racist so it's just it's so fucking ignorant and bullheaded and it's the worst part is it's not uncommon. This is with like fucking everything that they try to add any change to. And people get on their fucking soapbox and like, oh, social justice warriors are invading my games. And so it's like, hey, how about you get out of your safe space that you're judging everyone else for and realize like, hey, everyone in this fucking game is just some white dude that is just as, as just as forgettable as every other white dude you just killed. Yeah. Like, uh, add it's- some new characters, add some diversity so you can at least remember shit. This is so, it's funny, I, it's ironic because we are white dudes in general, but it also oh, makes yeah. you think, like, are we bringing back that Jeff Foxworthy bit where it's like, oh, if you didn't like Black Panther, you might be racist. <laughs> but Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck, but if you're listening to yeah. Jeff Foxworthy, <laughs> you already know you're a racist. It's already safe to say you're racist. You're yeah, that's true. Hey, I was just trying to bring a call back from our show yeah. and I already fucked it up. God damn it. <laughs> But yeah, it's just like people get so fucking pissy and it's like, give me a legitimate reason why adding a woman, especially on the cover, is a bad thing. Why is this bad? Give me a legitimate reason. I would love to hear it because in the end, it just boils down to I don't like it because it's a lady and I feel threatened. It's like, cool, you're sexist. Get over it. Yeah. Um, But I like that you can get the special edition for 20 bucks more and it has a dude on the cover. Oh, Jesus. I I think we talked about it. You said like most people probably wouldn't bother doing it. I, probably not, but I like the idea that if you are so stupidly pig-headed that you refuse to have a woman on the cover of your game, that you're required to pay 20 bucks extra just to have a dude on it, I love that idea. If someone <laughs> did that on purpose, fucking kudos to you, Battlefield. That is brilliant. I love that idea. Yeah, I just can't... Uh, I just, I'm blown away by the whole scenario. Just, if you're a Battlefield fan, go play the game regardless. And, and actually maybe judge the game on the gameplay and not the fact that they put girls in um if you're a battlefield fan and you're not playing it because there's a woman on the cover you're not a battlefield fan ah jesus true um what was another thing that maybe we can uh bring up before we wrap this up uh fallout there's a big deal like bethesda was teasing some shit for a few days and then finally uh it came out that this game fallout 76 is going to be coming out and that already rubs me the wrong way like ocd <laughs> hardcore like super fucking hard like we all know we went down the madden road where it's like madden 14 madden 15 madden 16 madden 25 or whatever the fuck and it was like <laughs> i don't even know what they were thinking and that was infuriating here we are going from fallout 4 to fallout 76 and i guess it's based on vault 76 but yeah. the thing is people it's it was very speculated but there was some people in the gaming industry that were able to confirm that this is going to be an mmo kind of experience and i'm like oh interesting wait did they confirm that uh there's let rumors me that it'll be online but it's still rumors. oh there's no over. correct i'm sorry no i don't mean to uh spout fake news but no and yeah. it, it was yeah i guess i did see a tweet from jason schreier the guy who wrote that book i was uh referencing mm-hmm. blood sweat and pixels uh, he said, from what I've heard, which we should trust, trust his judgment, Fallout 76 is an online game of some sort developed by BGS in both Maryland and Austin. So I guess he doesn't yeah. know that much, actually. Yeah, there's the rumor that it'll be online, but there's no one like from Bethesda saying, like, yes, this is why it's online. Because like, if you think about it, Dark Souls is online. Right. Like, you don't think of it as like a traditional online game. Like, it's Correct. not an online multiplayer. True, so like, but- I don't know how this online is going to be incorporated. But... All right, and another thing that rubs me the wrong way is like I, I, to me, I'm like, why more Fallout before a new Elder Scrolls? But I guess technically they've been putting all this shit in the Elder Scrolls online that I've just completely not cared about at all. But like some of it is Ain't looking bad. really good. I know I'm like, God damn it! Like I want to get check out that Morrowind shit. There's all sorts of stuff. Like I don't know why yeah. I'm not into that. I bought it forever ago, and I don't even remember my own like account password. So fuck. It's if you ever do get into it, it's a fucking beefy download. Like put it on like start downloading it before work and like just go to work all day and come back it's probably still downloading yeah it's a fucking massive game um but for as for the 76 thing there's also fallout new vegas so it's like one two three new vegas four 76 so i mean the naming convention's already fucked i'm seeing this more as an offshoot like if you want to go to the chronological one two three four five these are like the side games 
because I think they turned it out quicker, same with New Vegas, because it's a lot of the same assets from 4. The same way Vegas had a lot of the same assets from 3. That makes sense. So it's probably easier to just reuse some of the old assets. I'm sure there's plenty that's getting remodeled or rechanged, you know, brand new stuff. But there is probably, like, Mr. Handsy, the robot that, like, helps you. It's probably going to be the same model as that robot. So it's probably just going to be the same, you know, character and stuff and same assets. So it's going to be pretty simple to just copy and paste or, you know, you're already working on one, use the same stuff for the other. Right. Whereas, like, Elder Scrolls, I think a new Elder Scrolls would have to just be from the ground up, like, brand new. Like, you can't take stuff from... the. the there's so far in between um, the games that you can't reuse some of the same stuff because it's almost a different console guaranteed. Okay, so, right. Yeah, but I mean, I agree. I would be interested in the next Elder Scrolls, but I guess Fallout's just easier to turn, yeah, turn out. Yeah. That makes perfect sense, but yeah, I ah oh man, I feel like people have been speculating, and we I feel like we all know that Elder Scrolls Six is in the works, but like, god damn it, it couldn't it couldn't come any sooner because I feel like I mean, they've I, remade Skyrim's too many times. Like, I feel like <laughs> I, it's to the point where I'm like, fuck it, like you'd, if you, let's pretend you didn't remake Skyrim at all, everything would still be cool, and you would have spent all that time making more progress on Six. Yeah, but they made a lot more money on all the remasters, oh, fuck. doing very yeah. little work. But I think they're also just keeping people's interest. Just like, hey, you want a little Skyrim? Huh? Yeah, you want a little Skyrim? Huh? Uh, you want a little Letter Scrolls? Huh? I know. There's um, only so many times though you can start the game in that cart, and it's just like watching people's heads get cut off and being like, oh, it's like, uh, how many times have I done this? <laughs> I don't want to know. I said it before. Buy Skyrim on a computer and just mod the fuck out of it. It's always a different game. You don't need to get any more remasters. True. Um, but with Fallout, I oh uh, seventy six is uh, apparently rumored in Fallout three. There's like dialogue or text that you can like find about it. Um, apparently, it's supposed to set to release twenty years after the war, and it's supposed to be one of the few control vaults. So they don't mess with this vault at all. There's no experiment going on that the residents don't know about. Apparently, this is just a plain control. People were meant to survive in it, and that's it. Hmm. So some people are actually speculating that because it's only twenty years after the war. It might be a battle royale game, and you come out fight for like survival and like you know goods and gear and stuff amongst other people after the war. And honestly, if it is twenty years after the nuclear fallout, it's possible. But I'd fucking hate that. Yeah, really they don't do that. That's oh man, they could definitely be hopping on a trend there. But I really don't. I don't think it would be that. I thought I saw some other people speculating that it's going to be more or less like that mobile game in the sense that like you don't even leave the vault. Oh yeah, Fallout Shelter. I thought it was going to be Fallout Shelter too. Yeah. When the announcement uh, stream stream went up, I thought they were just going to yank our dick around. And it's going to be like, haha, Fallout Shelter too. Fuck you. <laughs> like oh. get everyone excited over nothing because of Mister um, Hansy. Mister Hansy, yeah. Uh, but hey, it looks like a full game and, you know, I'm not the biggest Fallout fan, but I don't know if it's good enough. I'll, I'll probably play it. Yeah, I don't think I will, but that's the yeah. thing. Can't <laughs> wait for Elder Scrolls 6. Get on it, guys. <laughs> but no. Yeah, 4 wasn't the best, so I can understand that. Ah, true. All right, wait, 4 as in Oblivion? Or no, Fallout 4. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, is there any other news you want to say before we maybe do some plugs and wrap this up? Uh, pretty much just that Jamie Foxx is announced to be Spawn, and I'm super sad about it, because yeah. I demand Michael Jai White or nothing. Get the original Spawn from the movie and the show, or you can fuck right off, Todd McFarlane. Give me OG Spawn, because Michael Jai White is a great actor. He's in Black Dynamite, if you don't know his name, you probably know that. Okay. And he deserves much more attention, and Spawn was like... His baby. He was super into the comics and was so excited to play that character. And now they're just like, hey, here's an A-list celebrity who fucked up Electro in the Spider-Man movie. Let's give him some other hero to fuck up. It's like, yeah. God damn, damn it. That's so I, a bummer. Yeah, I was really excited about this movie because it's going to be like R-rated. And Todd McFarlane now has his like toy empire, so he can at least budget it a lot better and get good CGI this time. But I really... <sighs> I don't know, Jamie Foxx is a good actor at times, but I don't think he's fucking Spawn. Spawn. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I think that might be a miscast, but we'll see. Well, maybe he'll defy our expectations. I don't know, maybe. Maybe he's a huge fan of it and this is a passion project. Like Maybe he's taking a pay cut to do this. Um, he might be good. I just uh, I just really want a Michael J. White. Yeah. Uh, but yeah that's about all I got. Yeah. All right. 
Well, then, let's wrap this episode up. It's been fun. Let's do some plugs. Where can our listeners find you, Bren? Uh, ABTS Brennan on Twitter. It's boring and uneventful. Don't follow me there. Instead, I recommend checking out Ian McAfee, who did our artwork for Almost Better Than Dragons. And he's yeah. done a bunch of other, specifically D&D, uh, artwork. And it's very good. So Super talented. Fell out. Yeah, he's got some awesome work. Uh, yeah. Listener, if you like our show, give us a like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, uh, all of it. Our handle is ABT Silence. And yeah, you can find our podcast on iTunes, all that stuff. Tell some friends, see if they'd be interested in subscribing to the show. Uh, hope to do some more uh, exciting things this summer. Like I said, we might be having a pre-E3 show with Matt and AJ. Uh, if that uh, falls pre through. Th- pre-3. Pre-3. And then maybe a post-3 episode as well, so that could be fun. Um, but yeah, and we also have a podcast network. If you are interested in listening to other shows that we are that are family to us, uh, we have One Track Gamers, Press Continue Podcast, Erie Canal Theater, Dumbbells and Dragons, and the newest edition was Paper News Out Loud. You gotta check their show out. It's really cool. Um, but all of that stuff is findable at almostbetter.net. And I'm trying to think, uh, oh, personal life thing that I didn't ever announce on the show. I got engaged, so that's pretty cool. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Huzzah. So that's a thing, and hopefully that next year sometime we'll, I'll be getting married, so I'll keep the Ooh. listeners updated on that. Mazel tov. Yeah, definitely. I, I just rented a suit for another buddy of mine's wedding, and goddamn, weddings are expensive, and I'm not even getting married. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm going to have to give you an invite. But listener, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. See ya. See ya.